always done if so-and-so fell down a flight of stairs and had an affair with two guys from all my children, I was named a picking list, someone all my children, would anyone care in the ma- mainstream? When I, pick, you know, they're like, who? That's the problem. <laughs> they're like, well, who? I go, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so fell down the stairs and broke her back and then she had an affair with them. Who's that? What do they play? What show is that? When is that on? I mean, that's the problem you go with mainstream press. I mean, when I covered for, I mean, I've written for In Touch, and I've covered for TV Guide, and I've done red carpet events for, like, reporting on the Grammys, and, you know, I, you know, I've done a lot of different reporting as well, and they don't care, these names don't ring a bell, unless you are Susan Lucci, Cameron Matheson, right, or, you know, somebody that, you know, that everyone knows because the they're on another thing. show. It, it, it doesn't ring to them, unless it was a complete calamity, like, so-and-so blew their arm out, you know, or lost their arm in an accident, maybe that would get on the news. You know, I just, they just, I don't see the viewer interest, the mainstream interest. So I don't think, I think that's one of the reasons you don't see gossip, because I don't know if they, unfortunately, and sad to say, I don't know if they care. Welcome to the Daytime Confidential Podcast. Today, Luke and I welcome one of the pioneers of the online soap opera coverage industry, Michael Fairman, who has recently launched his own program, Michael Fairman On Air On Soaps, at www.michaelfairmansoaps.com. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you guys. It's a pleasure having you on, and I think we should be having have some fun over the course of this episode. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to visit with you today. Thank you very much. So, tell us about MichaelFairmanSoaps.com. Well, I decided that after having done SoapCity.com, which I created in 1997 for Sony, that it was time to kind of create a new platform and identity with kind of my on-air kind of take on the soaps. And what I really feel is a strength of mine, which is really interviewing the actors and kind of doing fun little bits with them and trying to give people around the country and the world really a different perspective and an insight into these people that they don't normally get to see. Because if you're not in New York or Los Angeles, you really don't get the opportunity to like see these stars. So it's really a platform for everybody globally to be able to see the stars, read the transcripts, and provide my kind of take on the soap genre. You've been in the business for over 17 years. How did you get your start? Well, my start was really kind of very interesting. Basically, I was working as a manager of publicity for the Catch a Rising Star Comedy Clubs back in New York. I lived in New York for like 13 years. And I'd done publicity for MCA Records and done a lot of music acts and then kind of went into comedy. And I've always followed daytime drama on the soap since I was nine years old. So I knew, I'm sure just like both of you, I knew who the actors were, the storylines, you know, knew everything that was going on. And I really wanted to get into that end of the business because that was kind of my passion as I can see years too. And in 1989, um, I wanted to create an event the night before the daytime Emmys. And I created the first AIDS benefit for AMFAR when the AIDS epidemic was really uh, at, a, at a crucial part moment. And so I created um, Night of the Daytime Stars, which was before the Daytime Emmys, and it became kind of this talent show. And I had Sally Jesse Raphael was my first host, and we had A. Martinez and, you know, everybody from all the different soaps performing, Linda Dano. We had everybody doing these little, like, kind of talent night kind of thing to raise money for Amphar. And from there, the following year, it grew even bigger, and we had, like, 60, 70-some actors from all the shows in L.A. and New York at the time. And, of course, that time there were, what, 12 or 13 soaps at that time. And it kind of took off from there, and I, from there, I was going back and forth from L.A. to New York for six months at a time, and I got hired by Dick Clark to be the segment producer on the Daytime Emmy Awards. That's how I got started. So it kind of was like producing it, then doing award shows for the soap. And with Soap City, what happened was when I went in uh, for an interview with Sony, they had the they own Y&R in Days of Our Lives. They have those properties, Columbia, TriStar, and Sony, and they have these websites in a gaming environment. So if you went online, you'd go to like this like like Las Vegas gaming environment, and there was the Days of Our Lives and Y&R website. You're kind of like, well, what is that? So they really kind of wanted someone to take it and give it a new spin and inject it with new energy because they didn't know how to promote these properties. So I gave it a vision. 
I gave it a new life. I brought, you know, I kind of made the way the websites are now with YNR and Days is kind of what I originally did, really took an extension of that show and put it into the web. So that's kind of how it all, in a short answer. <laughs> Well, um, I want I want to ask you real quick. Um, you mentioned um, Ampar and raising money for HIV/AIDS. Can you tell people who may not be familiar about that what that's about? Well, basically, I found that with the soap benefits that I've been able to do, and it's also you know not only been with um, AIDS charities, but I did it for the Humane Society of New York. We did an event with. Um, the Emmy nominees and the WCW wrestlers one year, and we kind of combined this. We had this uh, really fun event in New York, and the AIDS charities had just really brought awareness and, and some uh, money to them, and and it was a really crucial at that time. I mean, I basically, you know, it was so important, and, and so many people were suffering, and you know, Amfar was, you know, Elizabeth Taylor's charity, and she was really behind it at that point in time, and they're really, you know, they kind of asked someone who could put. You know, I kind of created this event because of my love for daytime and because I knew so many people that were dying of HIV at that time and were dying of AIDS. And I lost my two best friends to it, and I really felt like I needed to do something. And also, it gave me the opportunity to really use my knowledge and passion of soaps to a good use. And it was like, how could I parlay this all together and make a difference? And that's kind of what was behind it. And it was very successful for three or four years. And from there, I remember doing in, uh, in New York at the Roxy, we did a benefit Blades for AIDS. I mean, I had Jessica Tuck on roller skates. I mean, it was it was just like James Sakaiba. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was like, could you ever think of more? But I had Linda Blair, Valerie Harper, Jessica Tuck, Ron Palillo from Welcome Back Car. We did like a 70s throwback disco night. And it was just like like Team One Life to Live on roller skates. It was really funny because I got would get like different soap stars to like come and and roller skate for for AIDS. <laughs> it was really funny. It was really funny. I'll have to show you some pictures sometime. Oh but, well, um, if you if you have some that you'd like to share, we'd be more than happy to put them on the blog in com- oh, combination fun, with this it? episode. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really fun. I'll look for some for you. So okay. there's always been some kind of weird, like interesting, fun little angle to, where we can put the soap stars in. I did an, also an event with Eileen Davidson. I'm sure you know her. And yes. um, we did things for uh, the children of Parlos Niños, which was an um, underprivileged children in East Los Angeles. And I think it was like 1994, we did an event called Daytime at the Beach because she wanted to do like a beach carnival event for the kids. And again, I mean, we th- we flew out a bunch of stars from New York. I, I remember Liz Kiefer and Marge Doucet and a lot of the Guiding Light gang would come out. And um, I think Robert Woods may have. I'm just trying to remember. But we so there was another one where I'm always putting together a cavalcade of soap stars for a charity. So that worked well too. Well, that's definitely one thing um, I know in my time in following daytime. Uh, the the genre has always been very supportive um, as far as philanthropic. Uh, pursuits um getting back a little bit to the hiv i know that during that time frame back when the the epidemic was really the hiv and aids epidemic was really devastating a lot of not only the entertainment community but um, the entire world um the soaps were very active not only um with their philanthropic efforts to raise awareness and money to fight the disease but we saw a lot of it in the storylines like with uh, the nurses ball and with Robin's storyline and and Cindy some and all uh, my children, right? Yeah. Um, we've kind of gone away from that. Do you think that, as I don't know if that is that something kind of like, does that reflect what we're seeing in society that people just aren't as, as not focused on HIV awareness, but since the disease is a little more, it's left the it's public per- spectrum. Yeah I, know yeah, I think because the disease in, in America in our culture is more. In, in, let's put in quotes, stabilized. You know, people live with HIV. They're not dying every day of it, and we have a handle on it with medication and things to prolong life. Now, that's not the same thing, obviously, going on in Africa, where right. people are, where there's this massive epidemic, and they're not getting the help they need. Um, but here in America, I think that we don't see it as much because it's not foremost. You know, like you're not hearing every day. You know, this hundreds died of AIDS. You know, we're not hearing it. I think right. General Hospital you know, was doing a good thing, and I was talking to Kimberly McCullough on the red carpet at the Emmys, and I, you could see that at michaelfermansubs.com if you've seen that interview where I ask her, you know, is Robin going to, you know, she's not going to lose the baby, you know, and she's like, no, she's, how can they have an HIV-positive woman lose the baby? That's the point of the whole thing. So, you know, it would be interesting to see how it's going to actually play out, you know, what they're going to do. But I think we don't see 
that played out because it, it's not like everyone's been focused on it, and, and it's kind of like a little bit in the back of people's minds in America, which but it's still a problem. Um, Definitely. You know, so that that is an issue, and you know, I think the AIDS storylines when they were told. I mean, I think one of the a wonderful one, of course, that I was moved by, and I don't know about you guys, was Quilt on One Life to Live. I thought that was really great when they brought up the quilt during the Sloan Carpenter and all that whole storyline. I mean, there were some great moments that daytime did depict that were important to do. Um, I thought Cindy's storyline on, on All My Children was quite sad. I just wish they wouldn't have put it with Stuart. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, I'll get rid of Stuart. So there were, there were those moments that I think daytime has stepped up with that. And then I think there's times when daytime doesn't, you know, Right. I, we, neither one of us were actually watching One Life to Live or All My oh, Children okay. at that time, but we're okay. from, I'm, I'm familiar. Dated. I'm dating myself. But, oh, yeah. no, no. Um, I've been watching um, All My Children since 90, but I do definitely familiar with the Cindy storyline that was Ellen Wheeler. Um, yeah. um, also, I, I can remember, one, I guess my first AIDS storyline that I remember um, was Cricket's mother on Young and the Restless. When oh, John right. Abbott Very good. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I remembered even uh, hearing about the disease. But I just I know that you know, of course, we have Robin on GH, but it's it's kind of been moved kind of kind of to the back burner. And I know as a soap fan, it's something I'd like to see incorporated back into storylines a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I hear you. I think though that I think the only thing they've got is this, we have an HIV positive woman who is living her life, and I think that's important that they're showing. Yes, that. definitely. That's the only time they've done that, really. Um, I think every other time they try to do something with that, I think it's fallen by the wayside a little bit. So, you know, that's okay. kudos to General Hospital. Definitely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your coverage um, for TV Soap, Australia's soap opera magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been doing that, and how did that opportunity come about for you? Uh, I have been covering, I've been one of the West Coast correspondents and contributors to TV Soap Australia for the last six years. And basically, Vesna Petropoulos, the editor-in-chief, and I met uh, a, a lot of people here in Los Angeles. She was here, and she said, um, you know, they thought that I would be a good addition to the magazine because I do these kind of star interview features with the actors. And that's kind of what I felt I could bring to the table for her that was kind of not there in Australia in that market. And uh, we talked, and I started to write the stories and interview the actors. So it's been great because it's been continuous, and with TV Soap Australia, they only have three soaps that we have in America, which are Days, Y&R, and Bold and Beautiful. And Bold and Beautiful is on every single cover of the magazine every time. I mean, you cannot oh, wow. get you can't get Days or Y&R on the cover because Bold and Beautiful is the number one show in Australia and is the number one show internationally. You know, so. Everywhere but in the U.S., which is a daytime show, it's a primetime show in other markets. And um, it, it, Catherine Kelly Lang, Hunter Tylo, you know, Jack Wagner, they will always make the cover. And somebody like Eric Braden or Peter Bergman, you know, or Christine Alfonso, I think once made the cover. But it's like the Cell magazines there, that's their big money, that's the money in the bank is bold and beautiful. And Days does very well there, too. YNR moved from a major network there to a cable channel. So it's been difficult because YNR, you know, you've got such great actors on YNR, and they don't always translate. They're not able to get the viewers they need in Australia, and I think it's too bad. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why um, Young and the Restless has been importing Australian actors recently? You know, I really thought that was really interesting that they were doing that, and yet... I don't know if that was happenstance or what, uh, because I, I think that the Tam and Sursa thing was very interesting, uh, the Colleen replacement. I don't know what you guys thought of that. What did you guys think of that from Adrian Leon? <laughs> you haven't been uh, very complimentary, to say the least, but it's oh, nothing. I didn't know no, that. I just thought I... <laughs> no slam on the actress, but we just really liked Adrian in the role, and it's just one of those recasts that you just don't really feel the connection with the character. But yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised that it they went that way, and I, you know, and I was surprised at the Emmy nomination. I think and a lot of people were. So sure we. many of us were. <laughs> but I did watch all the reels. You know, I watched everybody's work. I sat and watched every reel. You know, if I was voting, and I looked at the work, and it's very interesting when you look at the body of work 
as composed, if compared to like what you think when you go, oh my God, how can so and so be nominated? You know, you go like that when we all see that list every year. And then, yet when I sat and watched some of the reels, I'm not commenting on the younger actors. I'm just saying in general, you know, some of them they they hold up. Like the nomination, you can see why they got nominated based on those episodes, based on if you were just a you know a panel looking at it objectively. You know, I experienced that a little bit though when when the uh, when the announcements were first made. Of course, I was shock and awe, but. Uh, Soaps in Depth did a list where they showed the scenes, or they wrote about what scenes they submitted, and right. a lot of a lot of them I remembered those scenes, and I thought, oh yeah, that was pretty good. So I I did have to say that some of them made a little more sense, some didn't. <laughs> no, I know it was a bit. It was like for me, I was like, uh, especially with David Canary, I'll use that as an example. I was like, oh, what you know, like David Canary again? Like what did he do? And then I watched these episodes, and I he ended up being my pick. Because I thought he had these like really great two shows, but normally I would never go. You know what? I'm going to pick David Canary. I mean, that just wouldn't be who I would pick. But the reels were very supportive of that. Now, of course, I was completely wrong. But, uh, <laughs> well, it, this this year's Emmys. I mean, there were some surprises. There were some expected um, wins, but I guess that happens every year. What did you think of Jeannie Cooper's win? Um, here was my here was my feeling. You know, I love Jeannie Cooper. Uh, we were in the press room, and uh, on, on michaelfairmanshopes.com, if you go to the press room clips in the Emmy, you can see that her announcement to the press that she was so moved that you know she did it for us, she did it for the press, and all the people that supported her all these years was very moving. You know, I, uh, it's really tough for me because I know Jeannie really well, and I love hanging out with her, and I did at the Emmys, and I, I love her. I just... I was blown away by Nicole Forrester's reels, and I, it was like, and I never thought I'd even want Nicole Forrester in the top five. I didn't even get that, but then when I watched the reels, she was amazing in those two shows. And I think Jeannie's reels, though, were the strongest she's had in years. Just the two shows that she chose really showed her in a good light. I, you know, one way I was thrilled for her, and, you know, in the other way I was like, oh, what about Nicole? <laughs> so that's kind of what I was. What would you think? It was great that she won. I mean, she's definitely Absolutely. deserved it. And I didn't actually have a top opportunity to watch the reels, but we'd had Nelson Umbranco on for uh, a pre-Emmy podcast, and he had said, like you did, that they were the best episodes she submitted in years. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Like, this was the thing. It was like, if she's going to win it, this was the year to win it. You know, and I couldn't be more thrilled. I love her. So it was great. It was great to be there that night. It was great to, like, be there. It was also really interesting. It reminded me, you know, Way. I remember the night Susan Lucci finally won the Emmy, what was the 19th try? And I was in the audience in New York, and it's because we were still, I was still with Soap City, and she won, and it was like, I'll never forget that moment. It was like the whole place like rose up. It was just really like this electrical moment. I kind of wish this would have been more like that for Jeannie, because she's such a legend, and she's done so much. And, you know, she did the first, you know, she did the facelift story. I mean, she's done a lot for daytime, and I, I kind of wanted her to get the kind of do. You know, and you know she lost ten times. I think nine times, nine or ten times before she finally won. Oh, so, wow. oh wow! You know she's she's wonderful, and I'm thrilled for her. Well, as someone you mentioned um, that you helped produce uh, several daytime Emmy telecasts as well as soap opera digest awards for Dick Clark Productions. Right. right. What did you think of this year's Emmy telecast? Well, to be honest with you, at this point, I've seen snippets of it, and I usually drives me. The one thing that's bad about being in the press room the night of the Emmys is if you are like, you know, really into the soaps and you're rooting for you and you want to see those moments, I can't see them because I'm in the press room. They're running like a, a monitor, and meanwhile, people are coming in that just won, and you're you're doing Q and A with them. So I never really got to see the whole show as I normally would have entirety, and of course. I stupidly didn't see I was running around that day, and I'm like, oh, my God, so I'm trying to get a tape of it. And I've been going on YouTube to find little moments of it, but I did finally get a tape of it, and I have to sit down and watch the whole show front to back. I don't know. I know they were going for this whole back to the old days with the Emmys where people sat at tables and you know from their own shows, which I like the idea of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it played off. Did it, did it play off more like the gang's all here did play off more teams i loved it but i, I loved it but then it, yeah. my my personal bias is abc always produces a much better gig than cbs because it, it's just always better when it's on abc for some yeah, reason yeah I, I i usually agree with you on that and i did like the fact that they were at tables and i i thought it was great because i remember back in the old day like watching like 
they were all at like this luncheon, and they would sit there, you know, with their comrades and their classmates, and it was fun to watch them. Oh, there's so and so with so and so. I liked that, and unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't really get the whole experience of it because I was not able to sit there at that time and watch it. Um, you know, and I so I thought it was good. You know, I know they cut the show down from three hours to two hours because there weren't enough ABC nominations. I think they originally planned a three-hour telecast and made it two. Yes, they the last hour they um, re-aired an episode of their new of Soapnet's new soap uh, MVP. Yeah, which I um, watched the first three episodes. Okay, did you watch that on um, July Fourth? The mar- no, Yes, I watched the three-hour <laughs> marathon. I thought I better get caught up on this. So, I liked um, the first two. What did you think about it? Yeah, you know what? I have to tell you guys, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I was thinking, is this going to be another, you know, I didn't know what to think, you know. Um, right. But I kind of liked it. Like, I, I'm kind of like, I'd like to see what happens next. And I thought there was some really cute and, then you know, really cool things. I love the opening. I mean, I like when we take something like that, and I mean, we the soap genre, and take something and hip, make, let's hip it up a little bit. And I like the opening, and I thought they did some good things, and I think it's intriguing. And I think they've got some really interesting um, performers on there, so I'm interested to see what happens. So I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, it's Meryl's place on I interviewed ice. the three guys. I interviewed, <laughs> the you know, Dylan Casey and... Um, the other stars on the red carpet, and I, did, I don't know if you saw the interview, and I said, well, did you all have to take your clothes off for the audition? Because nobody's wearing any clothes. In any right. Place. And they're like, yeah, we did. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so we were talking about, you know, taking their clothes off, which they had to do. No one did, I know. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned a little bit ago about the fact that on your um, website, which is michaelfairmansoaps.com, um, that you had pr- the media gallery and everything that they can check out. Tell us about on air on soaps with Michael Fairman and right. michaelfairmansoaps.com. Right. So basically the thought behind it was what what I'm hoping to do differently than other soap sites and what every we all have our own identity and I think Daytime Confidential is wonderful in the way what you guys have got. I think you just take all of that the 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 take on it, the clips, everything you do, I think is is so great because it's really all encompassing. What I'm trying to do with mine I think is really the on-air, you know, kind of like take it from an on-air personality covering the soaps, which is how my personality and how I do it, and then really really kind of a multimedia experience. They can hear the audio. I want people to hear audio, the clips, hear them, hear the stars talk, hear those sound bites, hear the interplay, get that kind of, you know, because I've had, you know, emails from people saying, where can I get more of Amelia and Thad talking? You know, people want to hear that it's, it's more than just reading a transcript or more than just reading something. It's bringing another multimedia facet to it. With the media gallery, they, I want them to see the clips. I do Northwest Afternoon in Seattle with Cindy Reinhardt. I've been her super soap sleuth. I don't know if you guys know for like six years. That show's going off the air, unfortunately. The end of August, they uh, canceled Northwest Afternoon. So um, oh, wow. that's going off the air. I just found out. I was doing the Emmy. Show. They were doing me like my Emmy review, and they're like, "We're, you know, we're off the air in August." I was like, "No, I didn't know." So that was kind of bad. Um, but the media gallery really is clips of me talking to the stars, interviews with the stars, fun little moments with them, um, Northwest Afternoon segments, and I'm also on Sirius Satellite Radio on the Frank DeCaro show every month. I do a soap segment on there about 20, 30 minutes, where I take calls from the fans, uh, talk about the news, what's going on in the soap, dish about it with the host. And there's that platform to hear that on, on the michaelfairmansoaps.com. And then in the Emmy section, as we just did, you've got the red carpet area where we've got multi, multi, many, many stars from the SoapNet party and on the red carpet, the Emmys that we got to talk to. We got a great interview with Beth Ellers talking about her new role, Taylor and All My Children, and you know how she's been all of the news about wanting to work with Ricky Paul again. So there was that. Um, and other little nuggets like that. We have a fashion review. We, we, we had Jack McEnroe from Project Runway kind of, you know, give the good and bad of the of the Emmy fashion, which is always good to dish about. And there's also, you know, the global section, which is my interviews every month or every few weeks or whatever. Whatever's new, I'm going to post it there. You'll get an audio clip from it. You can read the whole interview, whether it's a TV Soap Australia interview or a domestic interview. Um, I can tell you that I'm interviewing Hunter Tylo on Friday, which is very exciting. I'll be sitting down with her on the set, and we'll be bringing that to you guys next week on the, on the website. And, um, you know, so 
I'm really looking forward to talking to Hunter after everything that's happened, and I know she's doing a charity event, and her and I have been know each other for a very long time, and there was like, when was the right opportunity to sit down with her, and it's, it's scheduled for Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. I just did an interview with Ryan Medine on YNR, which will be up on the site soon, and we talked about the whole, you know, the wedding with Victor and what's coming up for Sabrina. As we know, they're gonna, there's going to be a turn happening, and you know, it's very hard when you're when you're when you're interviewing stars. You know, it's very hard when you you know you've got the publicist on the phone, or if they're not on the phone, because the stars don't want to get in trouble saying too much. You know, they can't go right. say too much ahead, or and especially when we're interviewing for Australia, it's very difficult because they're six months behind. So you have to put it, it's very confusing necessarily for the actor because they're like, well, can I talk about this? And I'm like, yeah, you can because in TV Soap Australia, if you've ever seen the magazine, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but when you go to the front of the magazine, you can get actually what's happening in America now. So like that's how, you know, what can we offer them now that, you know, that if you're in Australia, oh, because they want to know what's happening really now ahead of time, you can read it, but we're still six months behind in what they air. So it's kind of like weird when you're interviewing an actor, kind of like, well, this is what you can say and not say. Um, but I really want the fans to visit the site. There's a blog where I blog all the time with my thoughts and comments, and then they can comment, and, and I encourage them to blog and give me their thoughts, and I will respond back and, and really come on and tell me what you think about certain topics or starting a thread or respond to what I'm talking about. And, and I really want it to be a forum for everybody, for the fans, for people that love the genre, for the inside industry people, for people that, you know, celebrate it, to really get a chance to see the actors, hear the actors, get the interviews, get the news, get the behind-the-scenes stuff, um, have someone that they can talk back and forth to about the genre, and, and really celebrate it. Now, of course, just like all of us, I will also have my editorial comment about things that I think are rotten or not working. Um, I will say that, too. Um, but I really want to offer people the ability to hear, see in different formats the soap stars and the soap genre. And the viewers are definitely hungry for that. I was going to um, ask you a little bit. You've had experience in print soap coverage, broadcast. Uh, you wrote for Ease Pure Soap and Soap Center's SoapNet Soap Center. Um, all these great um, shows that soap fans like me, you know, couldn't get enough of. But we've seen those programs go away. But we've seen this explosion online of coverage, um, ranging from criticism to to just behind the scenes. How in how do you explain it that um, there's such a hunger for behind the scenes knowledge about this industry when the ratings and everything indicate that it's slowly dying? Because I think there's a real there's a lot of misunderstood misunderstanding among among everybody. I mean, I think it's it's always a problem. And listen, it's always a problem to start up a new venture with the soaps. It is. I mean, it's always difficult. I mean, I've been in the trenches for many years trying to sell a project, sell a television show, sell a radio show, sell different ideas about the genre. And it's very difficult when you find people that don't know it. In other words, you're not when you're hitting people that are Joe Blow, all they hear is the soaps are dying. So when they hear that, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? I mean, the problem is that people don't understand that by via the Internet, there is such a loyal, devoted fan base of fans that are craving for this. It's kind of like an underground kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. It's like this underground kind of thing in a, in a big major way. I mean, I have found it really difficult when you brought up Pure Soap and Soap Center. How great was it that the cable networks put a show that was like an entertainment tonight, but not quite, but, you know, our talk show, where they were going for, but they never really went all the way. And I think the marketing people who handled it at the, at the individual KE or True Entertainment or, or SoapNet, I don't think they knew how to capitalize on those shows, how to make those shows work. And I, I, I don't know what happened in the marketing promotion. I know with Pure Soap, we were so, it was such an innovative show. We do, we have the talk show, we have the guests, we do the clips. And I remember doing all the segments, writing all the segments and all the things on the performers and what the storylines were and everything. And it, they just, I don't know, they just never, I think, from a uh, programmer's perspective who doesn't understand daytime, I don't think they get it. You know, I think it's a difficult for them. But I think online, I think people are craving information, craving what can I find out, what can I find out, what can I, you know, because how do I get access to this? I want to see more of them. How can I do that? And I think that's the power of the Internet. 
when you mentioned that, that they don't have to know how to program it, I never really thought of it be, that from that perspective because, I mean, we all assume that like when you have Brian Franz and he's in charge of ABC Daytime and he's in charge of SoapNet, that it's all sort of under one umbrella. But when you talk about marketing and programming and you break it down, it sort of explains why now on SoapNet we have top 25 or top 50 countdowns of families and things that a lot of fans have complained to say and by saying that they have absolutely nothing to do with soaps but it's something that every single company in entertainment knows how to market because you see them on e you see them on vh1 and you see them on mtv and it's just the countdown shows right i think just to backtrack i'm not in any way this was no comment on brian franz by the way because back back when i was talking about uh soap center he wasn't even involved i mean he wasn't even part of SoapNet at that time this is, you know, I think Brian Franz is one of the people that actually gets daytime. You know, I think he gets it. And, so you know, I, I think that's the, the great thing about him and that he really gets it. And the thing is, you know, ABC, and I, we're digressing out of this a little bit, but, you know, ABC's really got a lock and an understanding on their programming block. I mean, I just came out of, um, I just produced a One Life to Live promo. I was looking on your website. I know you put some of the promo, recent promos on One Life to Live, and I did a promo. I think it was in May or June I came in there. They needed somebody to do a couple promos because um, they're producing one on vacation. So I went in and did um, a spot where Star and Cole went running. Uh, they ran away. And, Is that the uh, one that where she fell and was pushed? It wasn't the one she fell. It was the one before she fell. Okay. They basically ran. The, it was a parent's worst nightmare. This week they run away. I mean they ran away. And, yes, I remember you that know, one. So I produced and wrote that promo for them. And my point being is they, they, they do control very well the programming block, and where others it doesn't seem to you know, be that much. I mean, you, get, you see ABC Daytime has a lot more promos during their daytime lineup than CBS does. I mean, I, yes. I see that. I, I, again, I go back to what you were asking me, Luke, is I think the programming executives and marketers back at, at other cable places, like how great would it be to take another show somewhere else to a cable network on soaps? But... They don't get it. I mean, they just they don't see the marketability in it. Um, the dollars because they hear that the audience is eroding. You know, there's so much written about the audience eroding that it's hard to get past that at times. But I believe it can happen. I believe, you know, one of the reasons I launched the website is because I have a lot of ideas. I really would like to bring another avenue and venue and a bigger picture for the soaps to have another kind of life to it and another kind of spin on it to try to entice other people to say, look at what we're doing. We're not just this and, right. and offer them some other kind of coverage. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, it, it did. And I, I totally understand where you're coming from because it, it seems like soaps are soaps in many respects are living and dying on the web and to anything we can do to revitalize them with new and new ideas is great. And that's the other thing, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting, and especially with launching a new website, it's always difficult, as I'm sure you guys know. I don't know how, did you have any trials and tribulations when you launched your site, or? <laughs> yes, yeah. Was it a soap um, opera in itself, daytimeconfidential.com? Uh, well, considering the when fact that... When do the trials that, and tribulations end? Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah, the more the apropos. Like, when is my soap opera end? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it, when, it, when it comes to production and the trials and tribulations, when you're going through everything from learning how to take and produce as good a product as you can and then do all the web stuff they don't i don't i don't believe that they ever end i just don't no i don't think anyone understands the work <laughs> it really takes a lot of work and a lot of you know i'm learning things as i go too and like how does this you know and i i'm i mean i'm pretty much a, i i'm a perfectionist in certain ways you know trying to get the best i can you know i don't like anything going up that's not you know, and then sometimes I have to settle on it, especially when you're on it, you know, your name's on it, and you're like, oh, you know, and you have to like, okay, should I let this go, even though, you know, I got her interviewed, but this looks bad, and you can't edit it, because you have nothing to, you know, nothing to cover the shot, and you're kind of like, so it is difficult, and <laughs> I mean, I've been struggling with this new site, too, I mean, trying to make certain things work, and, and, and once you get into it, I'm sure you've seen, like, once you get into it, you're like, oh, I could do this, I could do this, right? Like, you start oh, going, yeah. oh, so, like, now I've got a million other ways that I need to improve it, which all takes time to get implemented, because it doesn't just, you can't just turn it around, I mean. And you have the added difficulty of video. I have the, ad well, I have two added difficulties, I have a couple, video, 
is one, and then my web developer is in Canada. So, oh. so I'm, you know, so they're three. I'm in LA, right? So they're three hours ahead, and they're in Canada. So it's kind of like there's all this, you know, it, nothing is immediate. You know, nothing is as immediate as I would like it to. Although, we're doing a better job at it. You know, we're getting a better job at it because you, you know, you have to stay current. You know, the news is current and the blogs are current, and then I try to get the media gallery stuff up as soon as possible. Well, I'd like to pick your brain about something that I've thought about a couple of times, and I don't have a positive or a negative take on this, but one thing that I do know that, like, with um, Pure Soap and Soap uh, Center and some of those programs that were similar to, say, an Entertainment Tonight, the one thing that the soap opera uh, press has never really embarked on or really delved into that the other uh, celebrity uh tabloids and publishing and sites have gone to is covering stars personal lives and gossip we don't do that that's one thing that you know barely basically the entire industry as a whole from the the major mags to sites like ours no one touches their personal lives do you think that that's made it harder to sell these publications since we're we're pretty much only talking about the the actors and the story and things like that you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, first of all, we cannot, as you know, this daytime genre is really, if you look at it, it's a really small little island, right? It's like there's a right. small group. We all know each other. Everyone either, you know, gets along in the sandbox or doesn't at certain times, and it's kind of like, you know, it's a small, uh, you, you think it's bigger than it is, but it really isn't. That's number one. Um, but your question, could you go back to your question again that you would like me to answer? Well, uh, do you think that the um, the fact that the soap opera industry has kind of the soap opera um, industry? Well, I'm well, I'm sorry that the soap opera media has strayed away from going becoming more of an in touch style or a or a Perez Hilton. You know, we don't see any of that, any gossipy or yeah, I you know who's dating who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the problem with that is, you know, first of all, I don't know, quite frankly. It's always stunned me if so-and-so fell down a flight of stairs and had an affair with two guys from all my children. I'm just name, picking a, someone all my children. Would anyone care in the ma- mainstream? When I pick, you know, they're like, who? That's the problem. <laughs> they're like, well, who? I go, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so fell down the stairs and broke her back, and then she had an affair with them. Well, <laughs> who's that? What do they play? What show is that? When is that on? I mean, that's the problem you go with mainstream press. I mean, when I covered for, I mean, I've written for In Touch, and I've covered for TV Guide, and I've done red carpet events for, like, reporting on the Grammys, and, you know, I, you know, I've done a lot of different reporting as well, and they don't care, these names don't ring a bell, unless you are Susan Lucci, Cameron Matheson, right, or, you know, somebody that, you know, that everyone knows because the they're on another things. show. It, it, it doesn't ring them, unless it was a complete calamity like, so-and-so blew their arm out, you know, or lost their arm in an accident, maybe that would get on the news. You know, I just, they just, I don't see the viewer interest, um, the mainstream interest. So I don't think, I think it's one of the reasons you don't see gossip, because I don't know if they, unfortunately, and sad to say, I don't know if they care. I mean, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You, you know? think if soaps were as popular today as they were in the 80s, that the entire industry would be different just because of the fact that the soap publications and magazines would have to compete with, say, the people in in touches that would be maybe trying to get stories. I mean, if you have Luke and Laura at 30 million viewers, I mean, t- if they were pulling that in today, wouldn't yeah, you think, think that the whole world I, would be upside down? I think things would be different. I think if the viewer, the audience was up, I mean, up, uh, they would, it would be different. You know, it would be different. But the one thing I have to say about our industry that is important is I think the good thing about it is it isn't so smutty. You know what I mean? It isn't so, mm-hmm. what you know, I mean, let's look at it in a positive way, too. It's like I don't personally like, I don't report on that kind of thing, and I won't. I mean, I just won't. I mean, that's not my thing is like finding the trashiest thing to talk about. I know that's really interesting, and I like to read it, too. But it's not necessarily where I think, like, I can't wait to smear her. You know, that right. isn't my kind of style of editorial style or who I want to present. And I, and I think it's important in our community to really toe the line between not alienating your actors, not alienating your producers and the shows, but yet having a take on it. And that's what I'm trying to do, have a take on the genre 
where it's a comfortable place, but also, you know, we can call something out. Like, if this is ridiculous, we're going to say, this didn't work, or this is ridiculous, or can you believe this? But I think you, you run a really fine line when it's a very small community, and I, it is a small soap community, when you only have eight shows left. Right. You know, we've lost shows. What do you think about Guiding Light? Did you think it'll stay? No. I, I mean, I hate to say that, and I, because Luke will tell you, I am one of the people that believe in fairy tales when it comes to this industry. I don't believe it's dying. I hope it's not dying, but I do think that Guiding Light is dying. I mean, I've I've never really said that on air, but no, I, I really don't see. I mean, just looking back at some of my other favorite soaps when they were canceled, I mean, Santa Barbara and Other World, I mean, they were in much better shape than Guiding Light is right now. So I, I don't think it'll stick around, but I, I hope it does, definitely. Wasn't Another World canceled with ratings better than all but one of the current soaps? You're right, and I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So, <laughs> so one yeah. of the, if I went to the Another World last episode, I took a camera crew for Soap City, because Linda Dano at that time was my fashion maven, of course. So I went to New York to film the last episode. And if you go to michaelfairmansopes.com in the media gallery under the media gallery, I have a vintage clips from some of the little interviews back in 99-2000 just to give a blast from the past to people that want to see some of these little things. And oh, there's, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, <laughs> there's Linda Dano and I on the red carpet, but I have one of Linda Dano and I literally falling apart in my arms. And this one with uh. Judy Evans and I, you know, because it was, you know, she was so wonderful as Paulina. And uh, we called her Ballina in the segment because she was, couldn't stop crying. And, I mean, it was really amazing. It was like, why is this show ending? Like, I didn't, you know, it was weird. It was weird. I mean, it, it had lost some of its numbers, but, um, you know, I was there at the last day, and I remember everyone just falling apart. And I, I, there's a clip of me and Steven, sitting on Steven Schnetzer's lap and Lisa Peluso oh, wow. there. And that's on the, you can go to the media gallery and see that I have that up in Judy Evans. Because I thought, you know, that's really something. If you're a soap fan, I mean, I have to say I've been very privileged and very lucky to have been able to experience some of these things that a lot of people would have loved to have been at or be there. And I take that to account all the time. And it's so meaningful to me when, you know, oh, my God, you know, if I could share and call 100 people, like, I can't believe I'm here at the last episode, you know, I would do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know 100 people to call, but if I did, I would be like, <laughs> I'm here. At the, you know, it's very exciting and it's meaningful, I'm sure, for you guys, too, anyone who follows the soaps to be part of history in any way. And it was a historic day. It was a historic moment. and was very sad. I think that's part of what makes the time that we're sort of in in the industry now sort of tough is because everybody has sort of a stark realization. It's not just one show that's potentially getting lopped off. It's uh, the entire industry. And I don't mean to make it sound dour or anything, but I mean, when you ask about guiding light, I mean, they are, they are doing their best in trying to do revolutionary things and mm -hmm. it, you can argue whether or not it's coming off well, but the fact of the matter is, is that everybody is trying something just so that everybody can keep on the keep air. Keep going. I mean, and I have to tell you, I mean, I, you know, as much as, you know, no, do I like the new camera work? No. Um, did I, you know, but do I know that they're doing it for budget cuts to try to keep the thing on the air? Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. are they trying to look for innovative ways to do it? Absolutely. And I think they're, they're handed a difficult situation where so not any money that, you know, the budgets are so bad. You know, and it's a shame. I mean, I hope Guiding Light can go on and find its path because there are some really good actors still on the show. And, yes, you know, definitely. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, you've got Gina Tignone, you've got Kim Zimmer and Nicole Forbes. I mean, there's some heavy people on that show still. So um, I'm interested, though, to see how the Beth Ellers, Ricky Paul thing plays out. That should be really interesting. And, um, you know, I hope they tell a really interesting tale of the war. And I, and I, and I know they're going to tell two opposing sides of the war. Um, but I hope it... it it really, I would love to see a really invigorating, exciting, something that we can invest in. It's hard when you watch some of these shows where you don't invest into the characters anymore. It's like, I don't care. Give us something that we can invest into and go on the ride with. And I think that's some of the things, I think we fell off a little bit in daytime. I think one of the reasons the ratings started to suffer was I think we lost our way at some point, you know, several years back, telling mediocre stories that weren't, you know, there wasn't anything that was just so, oh, can you, you know, we just didn't have those stories. And and I think between that and, and money and the economy and marketing, and I, I just think it kind of 
You know, it's it, we're trying to salvage it. And that's why I think any of us, you, me, anybody, trying to have a new medium, a forum for them, a platform for them, should be a good thing. And I, I encourage everybody to look at these sites and, and, and you know, spend time in them and, and do what you can to support daytime. And, you know, that your, your fans need to come forward and say, you know, we want, the, you know, their voices need to be heard. We need to let people know there's a, there are people. I think, I think another thing is, I don't know you guys, but, like, when I'm talking to people, they're like, what do you do? And I go, oh, well, I'm in soap operas. And they're like, oh. And I go, yeah, I'm one of the experts. And they're like, oh, well, I watch another world. I watch, you know, you start talking to people, and you realize they all watch them. I think part of it is that people are kind of think they're closeted, and they don't know. People don't admit they watch them, or they do watch them, but they aren't talking about it. And I, I really think that the way – well, this is just a personal side, but I think that the way DVR's um, ratings are calculated, I think of, of the one industry in which DVR's are most important, it would probably be daytime. And unfortunately, daytime has the least amount of time allowed to be able to watch the episodes for the ratings to count. That's the truth. And also you have to remember the other really bad part of it is they're talking about who's watching it during the day. Yeah, so look yeah. at look at the and this is what I think needs to be really taken into account. The whole system's a little whacked. We are not back in the seventies or the sixties or the eighties. People have to work. People are not home. People yes. have busy lives. Our lives have changed. Um, the speed of life has changed. The tr- you know what we all go through has changed. The economy's changed. Mothers aren't always staying aren't staying home and watching soap operas. I mean, they I have to watch the soap operas when I come home on SoapNet most of the time. Sometimes I'm here during the day and I'll watch some of the shows. Or I'll take, you know, what I'll have to do to TiVo them. But it's not like I can just sit here all day long and watch soap operas, you know, and I'm, I'm in the business. You know, right. I've got to go out there, you know, I'm out there interviewing people or, you know, creating the meet, you know, or I have to leave the house. <laughs> so I think people, <laughs> I think the ratings aren't true. I think... You know, it's, there aren't people. There's not as many people home during the daytime when they're doing the ratings. So they're watching them later. Does that count? I agree. I totally agree. I've always thought that the the ratings were just totally skewed because even even back when I mean, just you know, this is not an you know, I might get shot for this, but I really believe that there were times when YNR has been unseated. You know, I when back when days of our lives, you know, circa mid nineties, everyone I knew was watching that show, and I just I don't know. I I've always kind of questioned the Nielsens and their. Plus, I've taken a lot of statistics classes, and I mean, mm-hmm. a sample of you know five percent of a population just seems bogus to me. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think because YNR, which is a you know great iconic show and really good, it's in this amazing time slot too. Right, you know, it's, it comes on before anything else. And, you know, in other markets, and I'm, ta- I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, originally. And in Wisconsin, like, all my children never aired at the time it was supposed to be on. That was at some stupid time, like, at the, like so it was all off. So my point is, YNR was always in this enviable position of a very good time slot. And mm. the B&B benefited in that because it's coming right after YNR. So you have to look at how things kind of strategically got set up years back right. and there's nothing really competing against Y&R that strongly what is it's all my children right half hour all my children it depends what, on your time zone in my right, where I live your time where, where you're in Texas um I, I'm in Nebraska he's I'm now sorry. he's yeah, okay. he's now in Atlanta he was in Texas um where I'm at um Y&R is on from um 11 to 12 and all my children comes on at 12 so it has no competition plus well, for years it had prices right as a lead-in Correct. You know how I actually got hooked on All My Children? Because um, back in 1990, that summer that I started watching, you know, it came it came on at 12, which was at the same time as Days, and we were, you know, Days watchers. So um, I ended up watching it at midnight because for whatever reason, they started airing episodes at midnight every night also, I guess reruns, and I became hooked, you know. And I would mm-hmm. stay up, and then when school started back, I'd get in trouble because I'd be waking up too late to go to school because I would have been up at 1 o'clock watching Haley Santos. <laughs> <laughs> so did you? So now when you're in Atlanta, what, where's Y&R on? Is it on against all my children? Or? 
Well, you know, I watch it on SoapNet at 7. I really haven't looked at the network um, where it's paired, but I'm thinking it's it's like it was at home. I think it, um, or back home in Texas, where it, it, it has no other soap competing with it. That's Plus, kinda... YNR benefited from having, I always say that, you know, a soap really benefits from having a singular vision for a long time. You know, that is unless it, you know, that vision ends up with aborted fetuses coming back, you know. But um, I think Y&R definitely benefited from having Bill Bell at the helm for so many years, and it was his baby. And I I can tell you exactly. I mean, one of the most wonderful parts of doing, and I created the Y&R website because there was no Y&R website when I created Soap City. One of the jobs was how do we take, you know, what do we do with Y&R and Days of Our Lives? And I worked very closely with the Bells and the production team there, and it was such a great family. They really understood it. I mean, the stories were amazing. I mean, the way they were they were built, those stories were how they were structured. And, and it really was, you know, amazing soap opera. Same thing yes. when Doug Marlin was doing it as a world turn. I mean, there were just certain moments in soap history that these shows really were at their finest. That's not to say anything against Weiner now. I'm just saying the Bell regime at that time. Yeah. Yes. So if you had to get out the Michael Fairman crystal ball of date of the daytime genre, where would you say see where would you say we will be five, maybe ten years from now? I hate this question. Um, okay. I would say that, you know, I have a hard time thinking that there will be no soaps. I mean I just it's hard to imagine there won't be any. I think we're gonna lose some, obviously. It's a good question. Um, I want to believe that we won't be completely um, gone, but I don't know. I, I hope it will keep going. I, I think we'll lose some shows unless we I come up with a way to invigorate the genre. I think that's going to happen. I really see there being a renaissance. There's so many people passionate about this industry right now. Hopefully the suits are going to take notice and really start putting them in power positions. And even if it gets down to four soaps of the ones that are here. That's what I I'm see- saying. If we, exactly. I mean, I think that's the thing. If we can, if there's four soaps, and I believe everything is in a, in a renaissance. And I believe it's really interesting you said that because I worked for the WWE and I was a writer for SmackDown and Raw and I went to work for professional wrestling. And, you know, that's like a soap opera in the ring. And I loved wrestling since I was, I mean, my world is so weird. It was like soap operas and wrestling. Okay. So figure that. (laughs) So so I go to work, I leave Soap City. I go to work for the WWE. Now who, I mean, another bizarre choice, but great choice. How exciting was it? I got to write for the WWE. Um, And the time I was there, the rock was there and Stone Cold was there. And we had like all the, you know, Mick Foley was there. And at that time it was at its height, Right. So now, if you watch it, it's kind of like, what the hell? Like, there's no stars you really root for. I don't really care. And it's kind of in a slump for them. It mm-hmm. doesn't. So what I'm saying is, I agree with you. There could be a resurgence where we'll go. Oh my God! Remember the days in the night, you know, 2000s when you know nobody yes. cared or was always going to die. I mean, I hope that's the case. I I firmly believe that if these soaps are going to want to survive, they have to expand their web presence. That's, I mean, there's a lot that could go into it, but we discussed in another episode with, like, say, mini episodes with the Quartermain family to generate other revenue streams. And I think, in part, we've never figured out how to get into a marketability format because, unlike every other movie, primetime television, hell, even say the Learning Channel, you can buy every single one of their shows on DVD. When's the last time you saw a DVD? published other than Night Shift, which is a primetime version of the soap. Exactly. And, I mean, here's the joke. How many people that watch the soaps would love to see those great episodes? Or, oh, know, yeah. There's no way to see them. I mean, there's just no way. It always irked me. It's like, where's the packaging? Why isn't somebody in continuity putting together these great shows that everybody knows what the memorable mo- – you know, where are those? I mean, we well, don't have that. And, Luke, your idea is really great. I mean, I absolutely believe an extension of the shows online – that's another avenue for them to generate your, well, you're right, revenue streams and project story and bring in new audiences. And because obviously online is where it's at, right? I mean, oh, most online. definitely. 
everybody's online, everybody's online, everybody's online. I think that's really crucial. And I think part of the, the issue that I've watched over the years has been that this, the networks, the, the owners of the shows, I think they're, they're, you know, they don't want to give up the territorial rights to some of these things. So it ends up shutting things down. Instead of expanding on the audience by trying to keep everything in-house or keeping it this way, it's not serving them in a way to help bring in new audiences. I don't see that. I don't know everyone's you know, tracking and their networks, but to me it seems like when they don't want to release information or they don't want to do something extension of the story, I think they're just afraid of branding issues, and I think at some point we've got to be less afraid of that and look at the genre in a whole and try to you know look for some other revenue streams. I agree. Well, and it, I mean, when you have MGM Grand taking and they supposedly ha- they had or have the world's largest um, classic movie vault, and they just keep cranking those suckers out and cranking them out, and you pay fifteen to twenty bucks for every single one of them. If daytime was able to do something the same, now granted some of the episodes may no longer air and be available considering damage and those type of things, but you would have to think that there's some some way to create a revenue stream from that and make these soaps more profitable than they are. Yeah, I think SoapNet should do an apprentice and have Brian Franz be the Donald Trump and Luke, you should go out there. And... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Try to I become his intern. And, and who are we? What are we going to do? What oh, we can be the judges. We'll I want to be Amorosa. See, I, I, I think, I think that they should. I mean, my personal opinion is SoapNet should have a thing for soap writers. Uh, I think that Jamie would take and be an awesome uh, contestant on one of those type of shows. The problem is, is that it takes it so long to do it. It's hard to condense that type of a contest show down into an episode. It is difficult. You know, it was very interesting. I had created with some partners, you know, right before I wanted to be a substar, we had a, a show that we were pitching very similar. It was like, you know, being killed off and written off, and it was, you know, you know, you know how to be a writer. It was a writing thing. And, you know, I think that oh. is a great, great thing. And it's really interesting. Like, it wouldn't, like, nobody would pick it. It was weird. It was like the writing thing is such a great, like, reality show for the soap thing. Um, I think it's a great idea. There's so many things to do, and I just think it's an issue. I, again, I come back to, uh, you know, I've pitched many shows, and I and it's always an issue of, like, what their agenda is, and you really don't know. And, I, you know, one of the issues with SoapNet is I think that, you know, with the new website, which is great and everything, you know, I only I always get concerned, though, when, the, when we dilute um, the genre in some way. And, you know trying to be everything to all people and um you know i think that well the website's great i mean it looks great and they've got great content but you know they're covering other things now too yes. right see i so, think now just me piggy i know how luke feels about it too and my what i think they're doing with that is that one thing that if you look at the daytime soaps you know save for a few examples like one life to live right now and i'm really happy with as the world turns but in this last 15 years, we've really had people who have forgotten the basic soapiness of just plain old human drama. You know, we've we've had so much, you know, clonings and mind control and all this stuff that I really feel has, you know, put nails in the coffin. But meanwhile, these celebrities like per- Paris Hilton and the like, they're doing normal, good old-fashioned soapy mess in real life. And I think that that's kind of what SoapNet is kind of trying to capitalize on, the, the soapiness that we find in our gossip columns. I mean, because they're, they're big life soap operas with super couples and Brangelinas. And, you know, I mean, I think they're just trying to lure that audience that loves that onto SoapNet, you know. Right. Which I think <laughs> it's, 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 what do you think, Luke? Well, I, I look – okay, I'm – from the industry as a whole, I understand why they do it. Um, they did it. I guess I, I look at it from the standpoint of there's there's something to be said for purism in soaps, but in an industry and in an era where everybody is trying to scrape to survive, I can totally understand why they're trying, why they're doing what they're doing, because 
like to me when you take an, an expand i mean just for example daytime confidential we try and cover stars who have been on soaps or if there is any type of connection to soaps well we've had people who've criticized us that says we're ta- we're taking and covering too much non-soap content the thing about it is is if you have someone who's been in the industry or you have a connection you le- leverage it and so we do that on a small scale but then you have t- something like soapnet which is an actual television channel and they've got to appeal to an even bigger audience than I have to. And so in order to try and make them the next people.com or intouchmagazine.com, they want to try and lure people back to the soaps with more diversified content. And so I totally understand and I respect completely. And I, and I do know that it's always, a, and it is a good thing because they are trying to reach a more mass audience, and how do we bring them in? And I think it's very clever, and I think it's it, it hopefully it will work. Um, so I do agree with that. You know, I do agree with that. At the same time, after having just said that, I go back to these countdowns that I'm watching on SoapNet, and I'll tell you what, I don't really have any desire to watch countdowns of well, non-soap people I, on SoapNet. And that's my problem too with like the Sunday night movie. No, I, I agree I, with the like, Sunday night movie. I, I like the countdowns. <laughs> I mean, if I choose the countdowns over the Sunday night movie, I'm like, yes. and my issue is like, I would love to see, let's give some more original soap programming, and I want to bring back all the things that, you know, I've talked about or we've tried to do in the internet or in other, you know, avenues, we should see them on SoapNet. We need this, where's the behind the scenes? Where's the entertainment tonight? Where is the thing? Where can we get closer to the stars? Where does that go? And I, and I, that's the thing that the purest soap fans aren't getting. You know, and then we get the movie. But I, but then they're trying to look at acquisitions and how they can leverage some numbers. And but I still say there's there's something to this because, for instance, Rescue Me is returning on FX. It's a basic cable channel that has had a string of hits. My DVR is picking up nine minute mini episodes of Rescue Me that have been running for the last three or four weeks. If you had the same mini episodes with General Hospital, One Life to Live, that would just tie in. I really think that you could diversify. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Absolutely. I guess before we go, I want to ask you, um, you've talked about your website, and we'll make sure that we link to it, michaelfairmansoaps.com, so that in in the episode um, and and your show, Michael Fairman On Air on Soaps. Do you have anything other projects in the works, or is there anything else that you can share with us before we go? I will share with you a couple of things that I have. We talked about generating uh, new ways to bring an audience. I've created a thing called, I don't know if you've seen it on the website, Soap Dish Radio. Soap Dish Radio, there's one avenue that I feel we have neglected, and that is the radio. Soap started in the radio with Guiding Light. The radio has not had its own entertainment night talk show, and with Christoph St. John of the Young and the Restless and myself, we... He was my co-host, and I have a show for syndication that I believe will hopefully um, be the next thing to help, you know, won't be on TV, but I think radio is a great avenue. And um, it's kind of like the entertainment tonight of radio, of the soaps on radio. So we have your callers, the the interviews, um, and you can hear a a bit of it on the website under the current projects. So... Look for Soap Dish Radio in the near future um, to be in syndication of satellite. And that's Definitely. Kind of what to really try to have all of us have a place to come. We can, you know, it would be like a, a weekly Entertainment Tonight radio show, um, like on a Sunday or a Monday before the week starts, or recapping the week on a Friday. And right now we're in negotiations with the deal, and I hope to be bringing that to all of you very, very soon. And, I mean, that's kind of the next step in this, getting the Focus Radio Project up. If I may um, ask, which satellite channel or which satellite company? Uh, Are you able to say? Well, the only reason I ask is I just got satellite radio, and I got Cirrus, and so it was one of those things that's like... I don't know. No, I can only say that it, I don't know if it was syndication, like a syndication like like a syndication network or satellite, we're still in the process of shopping mm. it. So, um, but I can tell you that you know I've had some meetings and things like that. So, um, to be to to be continued. Nice. So, hey, uh, bringing back the cliffhanger. To be continued. <laughs> but I won't come back with another face. Okay. <laughs> okay. I won't you, be like your or something. Will you be your evil twin? Oh yes. 
<laughs> well, uh, or my or my alter ego. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, we have been visiting with Michael Fairman from Michael Fairman On Air on Soaps. You can visit his website, michaelfairmansoaps.com. It has been a pleasure visiting with you today, and we w- will post the episode on the blog. Um, if you send us those pictures about your charity event, we'll post those as well, along with links to your website. And we thank you so much for your time. Thank you both so much. Thank it's you, Michael. It was fun. Thank you.